0: Welcome to the Vineyard. We're so glad that you're here, whether you're here in Urbana or you're joining us down in Sullivan or on Vineyard Live. I know a lot of you are on vacation this weekend, and so if you're watching this from the beach, you're welcome. (laughs) We're so glad that you're here with us. You know, I don't know about you, but um, when I watch the fireworks um, on the 4th of July, I always have this feeling of incredible gratitude, and we, we hope you had an amazing holiday as you celebrated the 4th with friends and family this week. I'm just so grateful to be an American and to live in America because we really, truly are beyond blessed to live in this country. And so <clears throat> when it comes to, you know, uh, our freedom when, with our family and our jobs and food and education and, of course, freedom to worship. And so I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit today to be our teacher as we begin this new, ser- this new series. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today to be the teacher, and to give us ears to hear what you have for us today. And so we just say, come Holy Spirit. We welcome you here, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, America really is an amazing place to live, but we are not without our problems. And today I actually want to talk about the most taboo topic in America. No, I won't be talking about politics. I won't be talking about sexuality or racism or even religion. What is the most taboo topic in America? Money. That's right. Money is the most taboo topic in America. In fact, many of us don't want to talk about money with even our close friends. Finances can cause us to feel anxious, can, can cause us to feel... Um, incredibly private, like, oh, no, no, we're not going to talk about finances. Because for some of us, we feel incredible pain when it comes to our finances. Others of us, maybe we feel some pride. But either way, it's a topic that many of us like to avoid discussing in public. But there's even a greater problem, because not only is it the most taboo topic in America, recent research suggests that it's actually the number one stressor in American lives financial trouble and so not only do we not want to talk about it but it's causing this incredible amount of stress in our lives and the research just continues to show that this is a problem that is big and getting bigger now why are we under so much stress well honestly a lot of it comes down to the mismanagement of the money that we do have some of us were not taught how to handle money others of us you know we've gotten stuck into bad habits these are just some, some recent stats on Americans. 75% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 50% of Americans don't have a three-month cushion saved up. 25% of Americans have no retirement savings whatsoever. And another 25% have no savings at all. And the problem is really, truly only growing This year, credit card debt is going to hit $1 trillion. Student loan debts have climbed 150% over the last 10 years. We are drowning in debt. We're barely scraping by, and our lives are consumed with worry and anxiety when it comes to our finances. Many of us are living in bondage to money, and it's destroying our lives through two ways, through stress and through shame. Money stress they found has actually been causing all of these physical uh, problems in our bodies. They've tied financial stress to migraines, cardiovascular disease, insomnia, mood disorders, depression. So all this financial stress is actually having physical ramifications in our lives. Because of the misuse and mismanagement of money, we find ourselves stuck in this cycle of shame. And the crazy thing about shame in our lives is instead of, you know, prompting us to to get freedom, what shame does is it isolates us and it keeps us trapped. And we're unable to break out of some of those unhealthy habits that we've got into. For many of us, shame is writing a story in our lives when it comes to our money. As many of you know, I grew up as a PK, that's short for pastor's kid. And so I knew that we didn't have a ton of money growing up. But I also knew that God always provided for us. Truthfully, I was kind of anxious about money growing up. And my mom and I would often go to the grocery store together, and I loved doing that, but I had this really weird quirk. At the end of the grocery trip, when the cash register or the cashier was checking out, I never wanted to look at the total. I would do everything. I would avert my eyes. I'd pretend I was doing something else. I did not want to know how much it cost to feed our family of seven. I was anxious that we wouldn't have enough money. And I've had to learn and grow and and ask God about that anxiety as I've gotten older. But thankfully, my father, our founding pastor, Hap, had a revelation about God's good plan when it comes to our money. You know, if you know my dad, He had plans to be a millionaire by the time he was 30. He's 71 and still hoping to hit that goal. But when he was 30 and wasn't a millionaire, he realized he was gonna have to wisely steward the money that God had given him. He understood that God's good money plan actually was twofold. Be wise with your spending and be generous when the Lord prompts you. If you know my dad, he's not afraid to ask anybody for a favor, In fact, most of our vacations were super cheap because he'd ask someone if we could stay at their condo or their cabin or do some free activity that they were connected to. He was the brainchild behind our family business growing up, Lehman Lawn Service, where in our heyday, we mowed 75 yards a week at $20 a pop. You know, it really made quite a nice little penny. I watched how God provided for our family over and over again. And you know, When my parents, who really had a modest salary in a large family, when they could have used that as an excuse to not be generous, I watched them be incredibly generous with the church, with us kids, and with the people God had put into their lives. They had this incredible revelation about God's good plan for our finances. But the problem is this. Many of us, we don't have this grace revelation when it comes to our finances, In fact, many of us are living in financial bondage because we don't know, understand, and follow God's plan for our finances. In fact, we're following our own financial, and I'm gonna put this in air quotes, plan. It's not really even a plan. It's just what we think we should do or maybe we're not even really thinking at all. And when we live outside God's financial plan for our lives, we're gonna find ourselves in a cycle of stress and shame. Let me read to you Proverbs 12, 15. It says this, A fool is in love with his own opinion, but wisdom means being teachable. You See, we don't want to be fools in love with our own ways that aren't even working. Instead, we want to be teachable. We want the Holy Spirit to teach us because God actually has a plan for your life and he actually has a plan for your finances. He wants you to be beyond blessed, which we're going to discover isn't about you acquiring tons of wealth. Rather, it's living in such a way that you have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I sense the Father saying that during this series, He wants us to know that He is the stress reliever and healer, He is the shame taker and breaker. And so this cycle of stress and shame that so many of us live in in finances, he wants to break us free from that. He wants to heal us from that. But it's gonna take something from us. It's gonna take us opening our heart up, letting our defenses down. Even right now, some of you may be feeling like, I do not wanna hear this message right now. But there is grace for you today. There's grace for you today to say, okay, Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear what you wanna teach me. We never stop learning on God's financial plan. Some of us understand his plan perfectly. Others of us are at the very beginning. But each of us has something to learn in this journey that we're about to take for the next six weeks. Ask Holy Spirit, what do you want me to learn? And then get ready to listen. Well, why talk about money in church of all places? Well, because money is actually really important. Did you know that there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money and possessions? Do you know how many are on prayer? 500. This is a really important topic. It's a topic that actually affects every single person in this room. It affects your family, it affects your lifestyle, it affects your health. And yet, we don't want to talk about it. In fact, some of you are just hoping that I go into labor right now. But that's not (laughs) going to happen. Because I still have a month left, and all of my children prefer to stay in utero as long as possible. So my labor is not going to get you out of this. Also, it's really hard to be upset with an eight-month pregnant woman. And so we were just really wise to put me at the beginning of this series as we talk about this sometimes challenging topic. You see, this is how we feel about finances. It feels like this is private. I don't want to talk about this. It's none of your business. You do you and I'll do me. Well, how's that working for you? Do you know what? Your father, he loves you so much, he actually wants to set you free from everything that's holding you back. And that's what we're gonna discover during these next six weeks. This isn't about control and rules, this is about freedom and relationship. You see, God actually, open up your Bible, God cares a lot about money. In fact, he teaches about sacrifice and tithing. Jesus, 16 of his 38 parables were about money. Now, was Jesus trying to get people's money? No, he was not. But he understood how this simple tool for living has the power to either destroy us or empower us. Money has the ability to to help us build our kingdom and our empire or build his kingdom And his empire. And so he understood that he really had to teach us how to view money. And so like if you read in Matthew 6, you know, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where they're going to be destroyed. Store up treasures in heaven where they'll never be destroyed. You know, Jesus would go on to teach, you know, don't let money become an idol in your life. And what does that mean? What does an idol mean? It means anything that we put above God, anything that we love and worship more than God, Jesus understood that we really had to have a heart understanding of how money could easily affect us. Paul uh, later went on in, in Timothy, when he was writing to Timothy, and he said to Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, notice he did not say money is the root of all evil. How many of you have actually heard that money is the root of all evil? It's a common misnomer. Money is actually neutral. It's neither bad nor good. It's a tool that God has given us, and we're gonna explore what that means over the next six weeks as we unpack this series. And so it's really important that we talk about money because it's all part of God's good plan for us, His kids. In February 2017, we took our church through a book entitled The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, who's the pastor of the Gateway Church. In Dallas, Texas. And in the book, Morris chronicles the incredible life changing message and power of generosity that is part of God's good plan. Morris and his wife have incredible stories I mean, story after story after story of how God has empowered them to live this supernaturally generous life. They have literally emptied their bank account because God's directed them to multiple times and given away all their wealth. And then watched as God has returned the blessing back on them. They talk the talk and they walk the walk. But here's the bottom line from that book. God wants to partner with us to advance his kingdom through generosity. As we are generous, he will be generous with us. We are blessed to be a blessing. Money isn't this tool to gain power and influence. Rather, it's a tool to build, expand, and grow the kingdom of God. And I highly recommend that you read this book. In fact, we're going to link our messages on vineyardlive.us so you can go back and rewatch that series. It's a very powerful series that really takes apart this whole idea of generosity. So generosity is part of God's plan. But there's a second part to God's plan that actually fuels generosity, and so if we don't understand this second part, we will actually never be able to fully embrace God's good plan for finances in our lives. And this is where Robert Morris's second book comes in. It's called Beyond Blessed, God's Perfect Plan to Overcome All Financial Stress. And this is where he really unpacks the second part of God's plan. Now, he, he admits, he says, this book, even though it's a sequel, it's actually a prequel Because if we understand the concepts that he unpacks in Beyond Blessed, then we really will be able to live the blessed life of generosity. So what is this second concept? It's the concept of stewardship. Now, stewardship simply means this, the wise use of the resources that God has given us or placed in our hands. That's what stewardship means. And so he's, he goes on to unpack this. You know, our father, he doesn't want us to, to be living in bondage to financial pain. He wants to set us free. He actually wants us to live beyond blessed. Now, some of you right now, when you hear beyond blessed, you think to yourself, this is great news. I'm gonna win the lottery. I'm gonna find out that I have a long lost relative who's left me a boatload of money. Thank you, Julie. Well, I'm just gonna go ahead and just pop that little pipe dream Just tell you, that's not what's gonna happen. Because how many of you know that actually getting more money isn't, but not learning God's principles actually isn't gonna get you out of the cycle of shame and stress? Many rich people in the world are in the same cycle of shame and stress that people who don't have money are. We actually have to understand the principles that God is teaching us. So, what does it mean to be beyond blessed? Because what we're talking about, it's not about becoming rich. Or getting everything you want i am not preaching prosperity gospel or materialism god's promise to you is not that you're going to be a millionaire see hap for example and for encouragement he's out of town this weekend so i took some liberty on the picture i chose being beyond blessed it's even better than your financial gain Being beyond blessed is living in such a way that you have all that you need, that God has taken care of every need you have and you have plenty left over to share with others. You see, what God is looking for is he's looking for men and women who want to be kingdom partners with him. That as we receive the resources God's given us, we wisely steward them and then we turn around and we boldly and generously give it away as he directs. Imagine a colander. He wants to actually dump his blessings to us and then through us so that we can build the kingdom of God with him. Turn now to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, because this is how it's explained here. This is God's good plan for us. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is living beyond blessed. This verse, it carries profound truth, and yet our lives and our emotions do not reflect this truth. Right now, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to take a deep, just cleansing breath. And I want you to imagine right now a life in which you have no financial stress and no financial shame. And just breathe in. Your stress is gone. Your shame is gone. The heaviness and the burden that you've been feeling is gone. Every bill is paid. You live a life of freedom where you get to joyfully partner in giving as the Lord directs. Listen to the Lord's promise over you. He says, I will generously provide all you need. You will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Okay, open your eyes. The fact is that this life that you just imagined, this life that's beyond blessed, is available to every single person regardless of your income, or your social status. This life is available to anyone. Anyone can have it, but it requires one thing, consistently living within your means. And that's the truth. You see, God, he wants to bless you, and it's in his nature and his desire to do so. But what he's looking for is he's looking for both wise stewards and generous givers Do you want to know what the key to the beyond blessed life is? Be wise, be generous, live beyond blessed. And this is the invitation that he has to us today. Now, that might sound like really simple. And it is simple, but it's actually hard to do. Because if it wasn't hard to do, we actually wouldn't be in the pickle that we are right now financially as a nation. Right? We're going to need the Holy Spirit's help We want to be wise and be generous so that we can live beyond blessed. Now, let's unpack God's plan a little bit more. God's plan for his kids has two legs, generosity and stewardship. Now, if you'll notice, you can stand on one leg for a while. I am eight months pregnant, so if you want to clap. Okay, thank you. But as you notice, I can't go anywhere fast. I actually can't go anywhere at all. And... uh, you know, after a while, I'm going to have to put down my other leg because human beings, we were actually created to stand on two legs for strength and for stability so we could go places. And it's the same with God's plan. There's two legs to this plan. There's generosity and there's stewardship. And we actually need both legs. You know, for some of us, we're like, oh, I really want to be known as a generous person. Well, guess what? You can't be generous if you don't have money to give away. And then some of us say, well, I really want to manage my money, but, you know, it's my money. You want to be tight? Because actually what God's looking for is men and women who actually want to embrace both of these two qualities. Now, being generous simply means this, that we're ready and willing to give as the Lord directs, that we're unselfish with what he's given us, that we follow the principles that he's laid out, that we generously obey whatever he tells us to do. Stewardship, on the other hand, again, is the wise use of the resources that God has given us. Now, we're going to unpack stewardship a lot more next week, but, you know, when you look at your bank account, whose money is that? You know, I think oftentimes we we think, well, I own my house, and this is my bank account, and this is my car, and these are my assets, but who actually owns all of those things? God does. And we are simply stewards of the resources that He has given us in the first place. And that's why stewardship is so important that we understand. That's why He wrote this whole second book. We got to get this principle. Now, we want to view these two things through a relational lens because it's really easy to view them through a transactional lens. Now, what do I mean by that? You know, it's so easy for us to say, "Well, well, give me the formula. What's the formula for God's plan? And instead, what he's inviting us into is a life of faith. It's so easy to say, well, well, what are the rules I'm supposed to follow in this financial plan? Instead of saying, what's the relationship that I've been invited into? You see, your heavenly father, he's such a good dad. He actually wants to do this with you. He actually wants to teach you. He wants to empower you. I want you to turn right now. We're going to go to Proverbs because Proverbs 3, because this is what your financial success is going to hinge on. Are you ready? Trust. Trust is such a relational word, isn't it? But when we look at this issue of trust, we actually see that when we look at our finances, two co- questions come to light. Can I trust God? And can God trust me? And so let's turn right now to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and let's see what it says about us trusting God and in return what he's gonna to promise to us. This is what verse five says. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Do you hear the relational language right there? That it's saying, as we choose to trust in our heavenly father. Actually, what he's gonna do is he's in turn gonna guide us into every decision that we've made. You know, as we look at our finances and we look at the stress and the shame and the messes that we've made, I think we need to come face to face with the fact that many of us are struggling to trust God. In fact, we trust ourselves more than we trust God. Now, we wouldn't say that. We'd say, oh no, no, I trust God. But our actions tell a different story. Because we're not following God's plan, we're following our own plan. We're sticking our head in the sand and saying, well, I hope, you know, hope for a miracle. Well, actually, God's telling you right here, if you'll, if you'll trust in him, if, if you'll build the relationship with him, he's actually going to guide every single decision that you make, including your financial decisions. God isn't wanting you to do this on your own. In fact, he wants to partner with you. And so we want to steward that in our lives. We want to rely on God in every situation. Our father wants us to manage our finances and he wants to help us do it. How can we know that he's actually trustworthy? Because I know many of us that we've had hard dad relationships and you might just say, you know what, this was my problem. I screwed up in the first place. I better clean it up. But how many of you know that our Father in heaven, he isn't the type of Father that you hide your problems from. He's the type of Father that you run to your problems with. He's the type of Father that you say, help me, Dad. And he's right there. This is what Jesus did for us, God did for us with his son Jesus. In Romans 8, 32, it says, for God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. God has proven to us he is a generous father. He gives freely. He gave his own son. He's not gonna withhold anything from us. He's proved his love. Let's keep reading down in, in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Listen to the the further instruction here. It says, Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring Him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. We want to honor and glorify God with our finances. We don't want to just do this, you know, for our own self or for selfish reasons. No, we actually wanna honor and glorify God. And one of the ways that we honor God, one of the ways that we begin to show that we're trusting in God is by tithing. And tithing is simply 10% to your local church. And we're gonna talk about, again, this more during this series. We're gonna unpack how this simple discipline, it greases the pathway for blessings to flow into your life because it's a simple act that is answering the question, can I trust God? He gave it to me in the first place and now my tithe is my trust back to him to say, okay, Father, this simple act is how I'm going to show you that I'm trusting you. And we glorify God by living on the other 90% that he has entrusted to us, stewarding that money. And what I found is this, as we like faithfully step out and try to become better stewards, Holy Spirit is right there to meet us. This is not a journey that we have to take alone. Nope, this is a journey empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when we wisely steward our money, do you know what question we're answering? Can God trust me? Can God trust me with the finances that he's pushing in my direction? When we pair these two things together, generosity and stewardship, what's God's promise to us? That we are going to live with an incredible inner source of joy, that's gonna spill over into every part of our lives. That no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what the, the bank statement says, that joy is going to be there and overflowing. You know, isn't just, bad stuff happens. Junk happens, financial junk happens. And it can be super discouraging, can't it? You know, Mike and I, we've weathered job loss and hospital bills and unexpected car issues. And there's been times where it's been so tempting to just be like, ugh. And yet, Mike and I have found that as we've stayed true to God's plan, both living within our means and being generous as the Lord leads, he has miraculously provided for us. One year, we had $17,000 in extra bills. And we watched the Lord in his creative ways bless, and provide for us in ways that honestly are so surprising. And that's what Holy Spirit loves to do. I felt like the Father said this. He's saying this to you. If I can trust you with what you can control, you can see that you can trust me with what you can't control. You see, that's what Holy Spirit wants to do. We don't have money issues in our lives. We have trust and obedience issues. So much of our finances, it's not tied to to some earthly thing. No, it's actually tied to how we view our father. It's tied to how we're responding to him, how we're listening to him, how we're actually growing in intimacy with him. And so the Holy Spirit is actually inviting us. He's saying, do you want to be free from this chain that's around your neck? Do you want to be free from stress and from shame? God wants to flow money to you, and through you to build his kingdom. But it's going to take us looking at our history and our habits. Because so much of our life and with money, it's based upon what we grew up as kids. And so it's going to take some like exploration during this series to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to need your help. Show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to change. And I want to finish today by telling you the story of Tim and Tess Sansoni. And they're part of our team here. They're a young couple. And... You know, they found themselves stuck in this cycle of shame and stress. Tim works alongside Putty in the School of Kingdom Ministry in our ARC teams. And Tess is on our communications team. And she also faithfully serves down in Revolution as a worship leader. She also has been singing on our main stage. And she wrote up their story. And what I want you to hear is the hope that God has for each of us. This is what Tess writes. Finances were a major stressor in Tim and I's relationship even before we got married in the fall of 2018. It was the one topic I avoided at all costs. I was ashamed about how I'd handled my money and the thought of inviting another person into my mess made me afraid and angry. I didn't want to open myself up to the the criticism, judgment, and even rejection that was possible. I thought if I let someone else into this, they will just condemn and try to control me. See, the devil, he's not creative. He's telling some of you some of these same lies. Keep it hidden. They want to control you. They're going to condemn you. This is a powerful lie that keeps us stuck. Continuing Tessa's story, she writes, I was ashamed about money in several different ways. The credit card debt I'd assumed, all the failed attempts to get on a budget and stay out of debt, I was ashamed how I'd use money to bring comfort and security. Spending had become an emotional crutch. I was ashamed that I really didn't know anything about money. I had been taught to tithe, but I really didn't understand how to use the other 90%. I could see how my pride and shame and finances was hurting my relationship with Tim. When I found out that financial hope was being offered in January 2019 at the church, I knew that God was providing a way to heal and grow. But you see, Tess and Tim, they had to make a decision. And some of us today, Holy Spirit wants to push us into making a decision. And they partnered and decided to investigate God's good plan. And here's what happened. The class changed everything for me. We talked about money in simple, practical ways. I left each class with an increase of hope and confidence. Our instructors and small group leaders made sure shame or self-pity did not rule the conversations. We were honest about our situations and struggles, and in return, met with encouragement and genuine anticipation for how God wanted to bless our finances. I learned that God cares about my money and has a plan to bless me beyond measure. You know, thank you to the men and women who are doing the instructing and who are are leading this class. You are making a kingdom impact. Tess goes on to say, I learned I can actually partner with God to experience blessing and provision. I think subconsciously I believed that wealth and abundance was just based on chance or your family history. In other words, it wasn't something that I could actually steward. Partnering with God in my finances is now a joyful choice I get to make. It's not about condemnation or control, it's about making Jesus Lord of my life which includes my money, and stewardship is now a way that I get to worship with my whole heart. Tim and I began dreaming about how with God on how we could invest in God's kingdom and use the money to bring him glory. We agreed on a budget and we made sure that tithing was part of the budget. Here's what God has done in the last 5 months since Tim and Tess started this journey. They have so much peace when it comes to their relationship. And when it comes to money, they can partner together in full partnership as they look at their finances. Tess says, I had thousands of dollars in medical bills from Carl from a time that I had no insurance. I signed up for the financial assistance through Carl and maybe expected 50% of my bills to be covered. But I ended up receiving 100% coverage for the existing medical bills. And all my future bills will be 100% covered for an entire year. We paid off three major credit card debts in just five months. Again, that takes some stewardship and some discipline. They they had been praying for months to be able to go to the Love After Marriage workshop that happened here at the church in May, but it just wasn't part of the budget. But Tess heard the father say, keep the weekend clear and wait and see what I do. And a week before, someone actually paid for them to be able to go. They paid the full registration. They went and had an amazing weekend together. And at the end, another person came up to her and said, the Lord told me to pay for you to come to this conference, the the retreat. And so they paid them the amount. They actually got the registration paid for and got paid to go to the marriage retreat. Because that's just how good God is. And then they wrote in May, this is kind of hard. But see, the road is not always smooth. Listen to what happened in May. Someone broke into their house and stole credit cards and cash among other important banking and identity documents, but God protected their bank accounts and protected them from identity theft. They had friends provide food and gift cards that made up for the amount of cash that had been stolen. They even had a friend that was able to fix a broken window from the break-in, keeping the repair costs low. In the last six months, God has absolutely changed my heart about money, Tess writes, and I'm so passionate about helping others, especially people my own age, break out of shame and into God's amazing plan for money. You see, this is Tim and Tess's story, but actually this is the story that God wants to write in all of us. And it's gonna take us, right now, some of you are, you don't wanna hear this message, you want me to be quiet, you want this thing to be over, but the Holy Spirit is, he's inviting you in and he's telling you, today I'm not a messenger of condemnation, I'm a messenger of compassion. Your father has a better way. And he actually wants you this week, he wants you to reflect. He wants you to ask yourselves the question, am I trusting God with my money? And in return, ask the question of him, God, can you trust me? And just begin to take a a, a little inventory. Where are you at? Where does Holy Spirit want to take you? For some of us, we really need to work on stewardship. We really need to stand on the leg of stewardship. For others of us, we really need to stand on the leg of generosity. There is room for every single person in this room to go further on the journey that God wants to take us so that we can be wise, we can be generous, and we can live beyond blessed. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you that this is your message, God. This is your truth. And God, I thank you for the journey that you're about to take each and every one of us on. And I thank you, God, just right now for soft hearts, for just, again, remembering how good of a father you are, that we can trust you. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray your peace over your people, God, where they feel riled up or defensive, God. We just speak your peace and your wholeness. And we just welcome you here now, Father, as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.